This is Dr. Mobin Sayed with an episode of Long Story Short with Dr. Bean from the FLCCC platform. So the discussion today is about melatonin and near infrared light and the antioxidant, anti-aging behavior and even anti-cancer potential of melatonin. This was a, a paper or an article that was forwarded to me by Dr. Paul Merrick. So thank you, Dr. Merrick, for this paper. It's an excellent paper. So let me start this discussion. So this is the paper, Melatonin and the Optics of the Human Body, Scott Zimmerman and Russell J. Reiter, or writer. It is Silas Inc., Basking Ridge, New Jersey. It is from there. We have no commercial interest with this organization or with the authors or with the product melatonin. There are many kinds of melatonins present over the counter. However, this particular discussion is about the melatonin that we produce. So really, the sunlight and especially near-infrared light is what we're talking about. Let me quickly share the FLCCC as well. So this is flccc.net or covid19criticalcare.com. Over here, as you see, a lot of educational resources are present. More importantly, there are some treatment protocols as well that you can benefit from or discuss with your doctor, especially if there is long COVID or vaccine injury that you are experiencing or someone you love or care for. You can forward this link to them. This is the study, Melatonin and Optics of the Human Body. There is another study which is kind of a supporting study here. Nuclear factor Kappa-B drives the synthesis of melatonin in raw 264.7 macrophages by inducing the transcription of alkylkylamine and acetyltransferase gene. That is the one that converts from serotonin towards melatonin. And here is that gene's function. So with this reference, let's go back to our discussion. So first an important concept that mitochondria in our body when they have near infrared light shining on them they start producing melatonin so this melatonin that is produced in our cells as a result of near infrared light shining on them is called in this article paper subcellular melatonin this is in contrast to the melatonin that is produced by the pineal gland and let's call that pineal melatonin. This melatonin, the subcellular that is produced within a cell, can also be called extra pineal melatonin that is melatonin produced elsewhere from the pineal gland. The studies say that about 95% of our melatonin in our cells is actually produced within those cells or nearby cells. So that intracellular production or subcellular production of melatonin is autocrine hormone or paracrine hormone. What does that mean? Autocrine is a substance that is released from a cell or not released but is produced by a cell and then acts on the same cell. That is autocrine. And then paracrine is a substance that is released from a cell and that works on the nearby cell. It doesn't go in the circulation too far. It just goes in the tissue nearby and works on the other cells as well. So that is paracrine. On the other hand, the melatonin is endocrine. It comes from the brain and goes throughout the body through circulation. Now, the other interesting thing is this subcellular melatonin production, according to this article, does not fluctuate with time of the day or with light. So it is actually more related to the near-infrared light's presence than blue light's presence. So that is a very important thing to keep in mind. So if you see here, here are some mitochondria, and this mitochondria seems to have not been making more melatonin, so it needs light ASAP. 
Now, mitochondria produces melatonin by a couple of routes, and we'll discuss that in a second. So, in terms of the light, we have the UV light, then we have high-energy visible light. So, if you stand in the sun and there is high-energy visible light, that is the HEV. And then there is near-infrared light, infrared light, and so on. The visible lights, ultraviolet or high-energy visible lights, they can provide photons that can cause reactive oxygen species production in our body. And that is, I mean, one of the indicators is the skin burn that can occur or sunburn that can occur if you are under the sun, burning sun for a long time. Similarly, UV light also offers photons that will then cause the reactive oxygen species. On the other hand, infrared light actually produces antioxidants like melatonin and others that combat that reactive oxygen species that are produced because of the visible light. This is a very important concept. So you could say, that all right, so we will not go out in the visible light, so neither is there reactive oxygen species produced, nor do we need near-infrared light to combat that. But this is equal to saying, let's just close the kitchen. We will not cook anything anymore because the fire can cause heat. We need the reactive oxygen species to take care of the cellular matters, especially including the matters of handling cancers, handling viruses, fungi, and bacteria. So the reactive oxygen species load is very important to be available to our cells. At the same time, just like in the kitchen, we have controls to make sure that the fire does not get away and there is no fire which engulfs the whole house. So there are protective mechanisms. Or if you go to an iron-making molding factory, there are big burners where the iron is being molded or melted, but they have a lots of controls around it. So they don't shut down those machines, they actually have the controls. So the control is in, in near-infrared light and in melatonin. Another important thing to keep in mind is that this melatonin that we're talking about, subcellular melatonin, cannot be replenished by oral administration of melatonin. So we can't go to the over-the-counter melatonin and start eating more of it to say, well, that would help produce subcellular melatonin. Subcellular melatonin has to be produced within the cells and is used within the same cell and the nearby cells. That means near-infrared light exposure is paramount for our well-being, our health, our age reduction or slowing of the age or being more healthy while we are aging and reduction in cancers. So the author of this article, they talk about cancers, skin cancers still present even after UV blocks. And the reason they think is that because we block the in near-infrared light. And the near-infrared light offers the counterpart of the reactive oxygen species. So now the counter-battle or counter-battling agent is removed and reactive oxygen species are reduced with the UV block, but they are still present and there is no melatonin and other antioxidants to battle them. So that is a huge problem. That is why cancers are not reducing even after using blockers. So what is their takeaway? Their takeaway is make sure that you have near-infrared light so let's continue. So mitochondria in a cell, they produce melatonin through a couple of pathways. One pathway is the nuclear factor kappa B pathway and the other one is cyclic AMP pathway. Both of them actually cause this enzyme to be increased. So nuclear factor kappa B stimulation because of near infrared light or cyclic AMP increase 
because of the near infrared light or the presence of the reactive oxygen species finally causes aryl alkylamine N-acetyltransferase or serotonin modifying enzyme which takes serotonin, converts that to N-acetylserotonin which then is converted to melatonin. This melatonin would then act, now this is subcellular melatonin within the cell, it would then act as an autocrine hormone or paracrine hormone. Now here is another study that I wanted to, so of course in this article, let me actually very quickly show you the article as well. This is the original article PDF that I have. And of course, if you go to the end of this article, you will see that there are lots of references here as well. So you can see those references too. I liked this study as well, which is very interesting from inflammatory diseases point of view. So nuclear factor kappa B drives the synthesis of melatonin in raw 264.7 macrophages by inducing the AANAT gene. So what happens is they're saying we demonstrated or demonstrate that during inflammatory responses, the nuclear factor kappa B induces the synthesis of melatonin by macrophages and that macrophage synthesized melatonin modulates the functions of these professional phagocytes in an autocrine manner. So they produce melatonin and that melatonin then helps them work better. So remember that nowadays with the long COVID or vaccine injuries, phagocytosis is a very important thing and melatonin actually helps with that as well. But this melatonin is not the oral melatonin. This is the melatonin produced by the near-infrared light. That is the important part. So then they also say in here that furthermore, melatonin acts in an autocrine manner to potentiate macrophage phagocytic activity. Then here is one more, melatonin, a mitochondrial resident with a diverse skill set. I thought this was a very, very interesting study as well. So here they talk about the melatonin present in our ancient molecules that originate in bacterium and they discuss further there. But what is interesting is once again, if you see here, the enzymes that convert serotonin to melatonin, that is aryl alkylamine N-acetyltransferase and acetylserotonin O-methyltransferase have been identified in brain mitochondria, which when incubated with serotonin also form melatonin. Now, the paper that I'm discussing, that is a 2019 paper and that has actually mentioned that the almost every cell of the body can produce melatonin through these pathways, not just the brain cells. And then this study authors say melatonin is a potent antioxidant and anti-cancer agent and is optimally positioned in mitochondria to aid in the maintenance of oxidative homeostasis and to reduce cancer cell transformation. Melatonin stimulates the transfer of mitochondria. This is a very, very interesting point. So I think you would like it. The mechanism nerds would love it. Melatonin stimulates the transfer of mitochondria from healthy cells to damaged cells via tunneling of the microtubules. So imagine two houses that are nearby and you create a tunnel between them and mitochondria from a healthy house, the healthy mitochondria are sucked into the unhealthy mitocell to provide that cell with healthy mitochondria that would bring the cell back towards rehabilitation. And guess who helps with this tunneling? Melatonin. Again, this is not the oral melatonin. This is the melatonin which is subcellular produced within the cell by the near-infrared light or as a result of the near-infrared mechanisms. And so the question is why this? And these are some AI-generated diagrams. So our body, according to the authors, for millions of years 
has been designed and been living as hunter and gatherers so our bodies are designed that way so for example they say that when we are hunters and gatherers and we do not have a lot of clothing and we are out in the field there are a few things number 1 we are in the green spaces number 2 we have the whole range of sunlight wavelengths that includes uv that includes visible high energy light that includes near infrared that includes infrared and all of them have their own mechanisms and if the high energy visible light is producing reactive oxygen species that are also needed then at the same time near infrared is present that is also helping to combat extra or unnecessary ros similarly they say that in the green spaces the spaces the green leaves the vegetable the vegetations even the dirt they reflect the near infrared light they scatter it and what happens is that scattering actually helps us even more so we're not only getting the near infrared light from the sun we're also absorbing the near infrared light that is being scattered by the green spaces so this is why it is important for us to go to parks and or other you know hiking places or places where there are plants because we know that phantom sites of the plants are also helpful the plant oils are also helpful there is lots of benefit from there so that is just how our bodies are designed so may the melatonin be your protector so uv photons produce ros reactive oxygen species in our more superficial surfaces outer surfaces of the skin but the authors note that those surfaces are replenished within 20 to 24 hours so as much as there is more reactive oxygen species produced because of more sunlight falling on our skin those skin cells replenish and recycle more as well as a protective mechanism at the same time they are getting near infrared as well which will also help with protection on the other hand high energy visible light which is beyond the uv and before the near infrared that wavelength high energy visible light the normal light that burns us that actually can cause lipid oxidation products to be produced in the lipid cells which are actually in the dermal area or the lower areas and those reactive oxygen species lipid oxygen species can live on in those cells for days over days and there is not a lot of help to recycle those so what happens is we need near infrared light to help combat these reactive oxygen and lipid species especially the lipid species to stay healthy but now imagine if we have blocked the near infrared by the sun blockers for example then we are getting the harmful side of it the visible light that is providing photons that are producing reactive oxygen species maybe at a lesser level because uv light is blocked as well but we still have no nir which was going to help us similarly when we are sitting indoors majority of our time our lights also have started to eliminate the near infrared spectrum from them they are becoming more and more visible lights only without near infrared that means they are becoming more and more reactive oxygen species producing lights and less and less protective antioxidant producing lights so we in theory will age faster in these lights will have a higher risk of cancers in these lights again in theory and we will be protected less from reactive oxygen species because subcellular melatonin production will be less so that is the downside of this kind of sterilized lights
So here the author, so this is a diagram from the document itself, the manuscript. So here they're showing various wavelengths. So there is UV wavelength in the sunlight, and then there is visible wavelength. And then if you see here, this is the near infrared. It's almost about 70%. And then there is infrared as well. So they write here that the active range for circulatory melatonin extends from 420 to 500. So this is the pineal gland melatonin. And that melatonin is produced, as we know, because of light and is blocked by the blue light. But generally other light produces it. And that light range is 420 nanometers to 500 nanometers. On the other hand, the near-infrared light is from 650 nanometer to 1200 nanometers. And near-infrared represents 70% of the total solar spectrum from a photochemistry viewpoint. And imagine if we just block that. Now, the second thing is, so if you said, all right, I heard enough, I am going to make sure that I have some sunlight, but I don't want to go out right in the middle of the day, it burns. So near-infrared light, fortunately for us, is available as a 3 to 1 ratio in the morning and evening lights. So three times more near-infrared light than the visible light intensity, morning and evening, which are awesome times. You don't get burnt and you can go out. During the day, it is also important to go out during the day as well because we need UVB for vitamin D as well. So we are designed to live in sunlight. However, morning walk, evening walk, or being exposed during the morning or evening to sunlight is very, very important for near-infrared light, which will then produce antioxidants through one of them being melatonin. And the other good news is that sunlight part, the NIR part of the sunlight, can actually penetrate one inch deep in our tissues. It can penetrate even the skull and get into the brain tissue where the cerebrospinal fluid or CSF acts as a pathway for this light to kind of spread in the brain. Just like if you put your thumb on a flashlight and you see your thumb, it looks all red and the light has scattered inside. That is actually mostly NIR is going to be doing that as well. Similarly, near-infrared light can penetrate through clothings without any problem. So you can be bundled up and out in the sun and near-infrared light would still penetrate and help. So the authors say, this is very interesting, that children and fetus so they say that near-infrared light can penetrate through the clothing, through the belly of a pregnant mother, and almost 100% of the fetal cells can be exposed to near-infrared, which then allows the cells to have melatonin, which is very, very important for these cells to develop healthy. Similarly, children also have a smaller surface area, but the scattering of the near-infrared light is the same for them as well. So they also get about 100% of their cells exposed to near-infrared, which is also important for their health and well-being. On the other hand, as we start growing and as we age, our exposure to near-infrared light by our various cells starts reducing. And the authors think that that is one of the reasons that we start developing diseases in the older age, developing cancers in the older age, and the aging process itself is also a result of less melatonin production, subcellular melatonin production. Once again, it is nothing to do with going to the, you know, CVS or Walgreens and buying an over-the-counter melatonin. So in their diagrams, they show, and there are lots of diagrams they have, and I would actually request you to look at these diagrams. They show that near-infrared can penetrate through the skull and go to the CSF and go through the brain tissue. 
then it can scatter in our amniotic fluid, in women who are pregnant, capillaries, CSF, and other body parts. Now, the melatonin, the point of pineal glands melatonin, not only helping us with the sleep, the authors believe or they hypothesize that that melatonin that is present at night from the pineal gland is actually a supplement to the subcellular melatonin. So, if during the day we go out in sun and we have melatonin subcellular produced and the cells are now holding on to that reservoir and using that for the reactive oxygen species fight. And imagine if some cells are depleted because they're fighting more and they've used more melatonin, then the melatonin that comes in during the night can help them replenish some of it. Remember, a lot of circulated melatonin cannot help with the subcellular, but some supplementation can be done. So, it is important for our cells to fill their melatonin subcellular or intracellular melatonin during the day via the sunlight or candlelight, campfire, fireplaces, incandescent lamps. So all those sources that may give near-infrared light can be used to replenish our cells with the melatonin. So I have already discussed most of these thoughts. So here is a little cartoon for you. So this is a Within a human body, this is Intertissue Cell Conference 2023. And the leader is saying, leader cell is saying, we want more sun, right guys? So that is the basic discussion. Now let's review some of the diagrams that come with this paper. So starting from here, these are supplementary diagrams. So I explained this part already, that the sun, when it hits the green spaces, the green spaces then cause the scattering of the near-infrared lights. And our eyes, they say that our eyes have two functions. One is the visible light that falls on the retina for us to make an image of our environment. And then even when our eyes are closed, the near-infrared can penetrate through the eyelids and go into the eyes and help the eyes. Why we need a help for the eyes? because eyes are always exposed to the visible light making reactive oxygen species, so retinas are always in danger of getting damaged. So near-infrared light helps with that. So it is important to have that exposure. Then they talk about various wavelengths. Here they talk about how if we are exposing ourselves to the sun, then these cells can fill up their batteries of melatonin and then use them at night when we don't have much melatonin. On the other hand, when we are in a depleted state, for example, at night, and if the cells do not have their batteries filled, there is some help provided by circulatory melatonin, but not sufficient to protect us. Then here they are showing that how near-infrared light scatters under our skin and then through our capillaries. So they believe that this is the way we are designed, that near-infrared can scatter through the fluid pathways and provide as much protection as possible and help make endothelium healthy and these blood cells healthy and so on. Then here is something that I thought was very interesting and a little sad as well, but they are correct in this one. So if you see on the left side, the dome-shaped structure, the gray structure, so they're saying that in nature, imagine three, four hundred years ago or six, seven hundred years ago, you're living in nature, more in harmony with nature. So what happens is, sun rises, then there's midday, and then sun sets. So during the sunrise, you have near-infrared that is now going to prepare your cells to be able to handle 
the reactive oxygen species that will be produced more during the day's work outside. So during the day, then survival is needed when the sun is hot. And then in the evening, once again, we need near-infrared light to give us more melatonin and antioxidants to destroy and combat the reactive oxygen species that are not needed anymore. So this is a normal structure of our cell's behavior and the cell's expectation. On the other hand, if there is just the UV or high energy visible light, then what happens is, especially blue light, that would actually suppress the production of melatonin, which during the day that happens. And similarly, if there are free radicals, which are produced during the day, especially in the middle day when the sun is more hot, then that would create oxidative stress. And again, beginning of the day and end of the day, when we have NIR present, that helps combat these problems. Now, on the right side is the modern societies using LEDs or CFLs or OLEDs. And look at this, we have very less exposure to sun. So this whole process of getting near-infrared light and getting ready to produce antioxidants is not happening. So the whole day is just empty. We are also not going out in the sun, so we're not probably producing a lot of sun-related photons that would produce reactive oxygen species. And similarly, nothing in the sunset as well, no near-infrared light. Then for the blue lights, we are producing. So right now I'm exposed to the lights. If you are watching and looking at this computer screen, you are exposed to these uh, non-near-infrared light spectrums as well. And they can produce whatever reactive species they can. And finally, there are reactive oxygen species produced, which there is no counter to them. There is no near-infrared light to help counter that. So I thought that was very, very interesting. And here is their author's review of how over the years we are going from more near-infrared light exposure to lesser infrared light exposure. So what is the takeaway? The takeaway is near-infrared light is important for subcellular melatonin production, which in turn is very important for reactive oxygen species neutralization and health of mitochondria and health of cells it reduces aging or senescence of the cell. It keeps the cell in a healthy state. And of course, it is anti-cancer as well. So this is the discussion. The paper itself is fascinating. I have just presented highlights and even then it has taken so much time. I would recommend, it took me about two days to read it and highlight it and understand it. So I would recommend that you look at this paper as well. You'll have fun. And once again, sunlight, morning or evening time is very, very important. Thank you very much and I'll see you again. Bye.